Well, hey there, sweet teacher and difference maker. You have tuned in to episode number 17 of the Primary Teacher Friends podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, and I really challenge you to stick around for this one because it's a tough topic, something that teachers don't think much about, and that is self-care. Today, I have my wonderful, talented friend Barbara coming along for an interview all about teacher self-care and positive self-talk. Even if you don't think you do, you need this right now more than ever. Trust me. Are you ready? You are tuned in to the Primary Teacher Podcast. Now, if your job description doesn't consist of teaching little people to read, develop, succeed, and grow, you're probably in the wrong place. But if you do teach kindergarten, first or second grade, well, you're what we call a difference maker. And you're among friends here. And now, your host, primary teacher, content creator, and little people fanatic, Tony Mullins. Welcome back, my dear sweet friends, and today I have a sweet treat for you. It's going to be something that's hard for you to swallow, and that is that we have to take care of ourselves. I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of self-care, or at least I wasn't a fan, because I thought that meant I had to put all of my responsibilities to the side and focus only on me. Well, my great friend Barbara has educated me in this area, and thanks to her, I feel more confident and I feel more compelled to take better care of myself. And I'm hoping you can find the same result today after our conversation. Barbara is a well of knowledge and joy, and I just love her energy and excitement for teachers and for children. What you'll learn is that we as primary teachers have such a great responsibility for self-care because we cannot pour from an empty cup. Our little ones deserve adults in their life who are joyful, and complete and whole and rested. So without further ado, let me get on to my interview with the wonderful Barbara Gruner. Hey, my good friend, Barbara, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I was so excited by your invitation and grateful to be back with you and your listeners. Oh, Barbara, I'm always looking for opportunities to invite you here because I really feed off your energy and you have so many good strategies and stories to share with us. And today I am bringing you on to help with a topic that is so needed today as teachers are so focused on everything but themselves. So how can you help us with self-care, Barbara? Today we're going to spend some time redefining it because it's not selfish and it's more than just a bubble bath when we feel feel stressed out and disconnected. So I feel like it's really important that we take a look at things that are simple, everyday things that feed our soul, including our students and our work. Sometimes those might seem like stressors, but they're actually self-care opportunities as well. So I'm eager to dig in and take a deeper dive. 
Okay, I love how you brought up that sometimes self-care seems like a selfish thing. And as a teacher, I've really struggled with that. I feel like if I take time for myself, I'm putting more important things out of the way and being selfish in that. Can you explain to us why it's not selfish to really put self-care time into our life? Well, we're in a service industry and we really can't serve if there's nothing in the reserve to give. Simply put, we can't overflow where there is no flow. Recently, I came across a survey from our friends at the Shine app, and they said 95% of the people they surveyed said they would be more effective if they actually took a mental health day now and again. But Tony, guess how many of them felt comfortable asking for one? I can't imagine very many of them. No, it was a meager 28%. We have to give ourselves permission to replenish and restore. That is really hard for us teachers, Barbara. And I also want to bring out the audience that's listening today. Those are primary teachers. But we really need to focus on self-care in primary grades because of the important role that we're playing in their education. Wouldn't you agree that it's exceptionally important for primary teachers to practice self-care in their lives? Man, oh man, from the minute you walk in the door, primary teachers hit the ground running and they have to transition every four to five minutes all day long. They're holding the hearts of our littlest superheroes and they're modeling and bringing joy and play the whole entire day. So absolutely important because school is foundational. They need to model that joy and they cannot do it effectively if they're not wholly restored and well. Absolutely. We cannot serve our students if we don't first serve ourselves. We can't pour from an empty cup. I love that. And I love how you said we're holding their hearts because we really are. They watch what we do and they model that behavior. And if we are constantly putting ourselves last, would we want our students to do that? Well, we wouldn't. And we wouldn't sometimes even talk to friends the way we talk to ourselves. And so I I feel like when we get depleted, we get more resentful, we get more irritable, and we get less patient. That's not someone that we want in front of our students modeling the joy of learning and a climate of caring, right? Absolutely. So, so powerful. We need to uh, give our best to our kids. And sometimes that means backing up and giving the best to ourselves. So thank you for making that point, Barbara. For those of us who are a little intimidated by the term self-care, and for those of us who aren't really knowledgeable about what that means, could you give us a simple definition of what is self-care and how is it different than most people perceive it to be. So really self-care is just the practice of taking care of yourself, but it also includes self-compassion and self-kindness. It really is key to mental health to be able to take care of yourself. It's kind of a mindset. Again, we've already talked about, we have this mindset that it's selfish, but it's not. It doesn't mean me first. It simply means 
Me too. It's most effective when it's done proactively and not reactively. So we often think of, oh my goodness, I'm so stressed out. I need to have a bubble bath or whatever your go-to for stress relief is. But proactively putting some things in place that feed your soul, that to me optimizes self-care. Absolutely. And I really like the thought that self-care is a very individualized thing. When I look at some people and they are spending lots of time in the spa or in the bathtub doing all those things that I'm really not into, I think, well, I'm just not good at self-care. I don't like self-care. But really what you've taught me, Barbara, is self-care can come in many different forms and it's very individualized. So can you give us some examples that people may not perceive as actually being self-care, but they are in fact, self-care for that person. Yes, we've actually made a list of them as part of a resource we're going to offer. But one big one for me is laughing, like laughter. We know now that neurologically laughter is so good for us because we get some really good chemicals and it's a resilience skill. So it kind of creates a win-win to be able to laugh and that can feed your soul. Also looking for your purpose and your passion. Something as simple as smiling or getting together in a girl's night out situation. A phone call, an email or a text, a thank you note from a student. All of those things when savored slowly can feed your soul and serve as tools for your self-care arsenal. Um, Some things that I have now considered a self-care since you've kind of informed me and educated me about this. One thing that I love to do that really soothes my soul and just makes me happy is I like to sit down with my two girls and just color. We love coloring. And when I do it with them, we're all three nice and calm and we have great conversation. And I found that I do that quite often. And afterwards, I do feel lots of energy and even creativity when I take care of myself. And I'll also say that meeting with you and working on uh, providing resources and advice to teachers, that is a big self-care area for me that I didn't know I was utilizing in this way. So just wanted to throw out there some things that I do for self-care that really may not seem like self-care to someone else. Right. So that's your passion coming through. And that coloring piece, that's mindfulness. That's giving your brain a break and saying, let's just be here in the moment, unwrapping the present with my little girls and and just enjoying what is rather than running from pillar to post, worrying about what was or stressing about what might be. Absolutely love it. Now let's go back to this piece about being intentional in self-care. As I said, I do those things sort of naturally, but not really well planned. But why should we be more intentional in naming those areas of self-care and taking time to do them very often, Barbara? Well, I think something that important isn't something we want to leave to chance. So if instead we set intentions and do it by design rather than by default, it will become a habit. James Clear um, wrote the book Atomic Habits, and he gives so many great suggestions about how to turn something into a habit. One of my favorite is habit stacking. So like putting it on another habit that you already have so that you could say something like this. Okay, I'm going to wake up. It's something I'm already going to do. And then I'm going to set an intention to do five minutes of meditation or yoga stretching or praying 
studying or whatever your self-care is going to be, it will eventually become a morning ritual, which will set the day off right because you've started the day in a self-care practice. Doesn't have to be all at once in the morning. You can spread those things out as you infuse them throughout your day. It can be a nighttime ritual, but setting that habit and stacking it with another habit that you already have will to help help ensure success as you make it intentional and keep it as something like a lifelong habit, right? Something that you do every day. Now that we understand self-care a little more, Barbara, I want our listeners to know that you have created a resource to help them come up with some ideas of self-care in their own lives. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I tried to think of -of out-of-the-box ways, things you're already doing or that you could so very easily weave into your daily rituals and routines, ways that show self-care, which you may not even think about. So the last one on this, for example, is thanking. Thanking yourself or somebody else. It's not a common practice to thank ourselves, but every day we're doing stuff to support people. And when the world doesn't thank us, who's left? So I've been using an um, activity with some counselors I'm mentoring, asking them to write a thank you note to themselves. What have they done lately that they wished they would have been thanked for or that they wanted to thank themselves for? When they write the thank you note, They find a buddy and read it out loud, and then they seal it in an envelope with their name on it and tuck it away in a safe place so that one day when they really need to find gratitude and they cannot, gratitude can find them. They can go to that note, open it up, and have some gratitude. It's a simple self-compassion strategy, but it ends up being simply powerful because we know now that neurologically, gratitude And anxiety cannot exist at the same time. So actually appreciation can trump anxiety. And so that can help um, with your well-being and your mental health. So that is one of the strategies and the list of strategies that Barbara has included. So if you're not sure how to get self-care in your life, or maybe you're wondering, do I already do some things that are considered in this category? Definitely check out that free resource that's included with this episode. I think that it'd be fun to highlight the ones you're already doing and then in a different color, highlight the ones you want to try. So as you set those intentions, you've got something concrete that you can do something tangible. A lot of them are kinesthetic because we know that movement is also really good for our bodies and our brains. A lot of them are connecting by heart. And so, you know, calling a friend or putting on some relaxing music and let that feed your soul. All of the things on the list, I think there's 22 22 things to try. All of the things on the list are meant to be soul food, to build back up that emotional reserve. Absolutely. And I'm so thankful, Barbara, for all of the wonderful tips and strategies you have compiled to help us to get started with self-care. And I will be including a link to that resource down in the show notes. Uh, But one area that we really wanted to focus on today was positive self-talk, which definitely is a form of self-care. Now, us teachers, uh, we are notorious for negative thoughts in our minds. A lot of us feel like we're not adequate for our kids, that 
we're not good enough at what we do. And sometimes imposter syndrome sneaks in there and we tell ourselves, you know, I don't even belong here. I'm not even equipped to do what I'm doing. But positive self-talk is a strategy I really feel that teachers need to utilize more. So let's talk about positive self-talk. Can you tell us how we can get started with this strategy? I would think the first step would be to assess what you're saying to yourself, to take mental notes, to take actual notes, to make it tangible. When I read a book called The Complaint-Free World, they actually put a wristband in with the book that you could change every time from the left wrist to the right wrist every time that you had a complaint. And I had no idea how much I complained until I took that wristband challenge. That would work the same way for negative self-talk. Every time you had a negative thought, something you would never, ever say to somebody else, but you're saying to yourself, if you switch sides and kept a tally of how many times you changed that wristband every day, if you've got pockets, do it with paper clips in a pocket that would work as well. But assessing so that you know where you stand because the ratio that I like to live by is we need seven positives for every negative. So think about when you get the number of how many times you've talked negatively to or about yourself and then multiply that by seven. And that's how many affirmations you would need just to neutralize, just to go back to ground zero. That's a wonderful point. And it's really shocking when I have mindfulness and really realize how negative I am with myself. And I like the question that came up in the discussion we had a few days ago. Would you say that to a friend? Would you say to a friend those things that you're saying to yourself? So sometimes I look in the mirror and I say, you are gaining so much weight. (laughs) You need to lay off the candy bars. And I'm like, would I say that to a friend? Absolutely not. So I think that question simply when we're realizing these negative thoughts and we're assessing them, like you said, ask yourself, would you say that to a friend? So when we have assessed our thoughts and realize just how negative we are with ourselves, Barbara, what should we do from that point? Then it's time to take action. It's time to reflect on where you've been and where you want to go. Your voice is going to be the loudest voice that you hear. And what you say to yourself, those thoughts become your beliefs. And so you need to turn those thoughts around. Positive affirmations like I am lovable and capable, or I am a trustworthy friend, or I choose joy today. You know, joy is a choice. And so every day we get to choose what are we feeding our soul? What are we saying to positively encourage and uplift the person that we are and the person that we want to become so that the people that we lead or influence have the best version of you showing up every day. How do you want to move in this world? And those things can drive the intentions that you set as you take those steps toward positive self-talk and ultimate self-care. 
Such powerful words there, Barbara. And we teachers need that. We need to be the positive light in in the lives of children. So we have to feed ourselves that positivity sometimes. So I really love the resource that you've included to help teachers do that. Sometimes when we can't muster up those feelings ourselves, you've provided a resource, some cards with affirmations. Can you explain to teachers once they download and get that resource ready, how can we use those? affirmation cards. I'm so excited about that freebie. Thank you so much, Tony, for putting that together for them. These are some affirmations that I've used over the years, along with some affirmations that my um, sister sent years and years ago from a recovery program. But here's what I've learned. You don't have to be sick to get better. So we can use them reactively, but also proactively. Download them onto your computer, print them out on cardstock, hole punch them and put them on a ring so that it's easily accessible for when you need an affirmation, which could become a mantra, I choose joy. Today, I choose joy. I appreciate the beauty in life. I am grateful for the people that surround me. Whatever you need on a given day, there it would be on a ring for you when you're struggling to find the words because negativity is threatening to overtake you. Let me also let our listeners know they may have missed our episode all about SEL routines for the classroom. And we talked a lot about mantras. And I just want to say that I use mantras every day in my classroom now during teaching. I use the resource that we created, the SEL toolkit, and it has a list of mantras. And I choose one of those each week and teach my students emotions to go along with them. What I found is that teaching them the mantra and practicing it with them resonates in my mind and keeps me going through the week and is a wonderful reminder for me to follow those things that I'm teaching my students. So mantras are so powerful and I really think if teachers give this strategy a try, it will really help to combat a lot of our negative thinking. So thank you so much for sharing all those wonderful affirmations and helping us to remember to use positive self-talk. So as we near the end of our discussion, Barbara, I want to bring out a point and something that I really struggle with. I am so passionate about teaching. There are times that I am completely exhausted with it, burnout even, and wondering how much longer I can go on. But I feel that teaching is my passion because at other times I'm completely full of energy and excitement for it. So is there a balance between the two and how does that relate to self-care? Oh, I really appreciate your vulnerability and authenticity right now, Tony. That is such a great question. And yes, actually one of the bullets on the strategies um, handout is going to be say no. And I'm going to say right now, I'm preaching to myself because I have a very hard time saying no. One of my dad's greatest pieces of advice was let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. No is a complete sentence. And why that's important is because those are boundaries. We only have so much to give. We are human. We are passionate, but we have limits. And so self-care asks us to take a look at our boundaries and make sure that we don't go over overboard with our passion and give ourselves away. Saying no to one thing opens you up to some other yeses. And so I really feel like taking care of yourself, 
asks you to look at your boundaries and set some limits so that there is a healthy you, more of you, a healthier you to go around. Setting those boundaries is so, so difficult, especially for teachers who feel like we have to accomplish everything all the time. But at the end of the day, when we do what is most important and let the rest fall to the wayside at times, we feel more accomplished because we're still whole in what we're doing. We're not being tugged too many different ways. So I really love that advice, Barbara. Thank you. It's really hard for teachers to say no, but it really comes down, as you said, to creating those boundaries boundaries and doing everything we can not to cross them or at least not all the time no one's perfect right everything in moderation but you really will find that a healthier me becomes a healthier we and so together we're better and um, try not to go it alone self-care also says it's not only about yourself it's about how you move about in the world going from me to we Absolutely, Barbara. You are a form of my self-care. I just want you to know that. Thank you. And you are of mine. I love it when you pop into my inbox because it's an instant booster shot of joy. Oh, thank you, Barbara. I know I've asked you this before, but for newer listeners who haven't had the joy of hearing you and your wonderful expertise, how can they connect with you? I am a blogger over at corneroncharacter.com. I'm also on Twitter at Barbara Gruner. I have a Facebook page for my book. It's called What's Under Your Cape. So facebook.com slash what's under your cape. And I'm super excited because in the spring, I'll have a children's book releasing. So then uh, there'll be more information about that forthcoming. Thank you, Barbara. I'm going to get you down on my calendar as soon as possible for another episode. (laughs) I can't wait. Thanks so much, Tony. Keep on crusading for good. Uh, I just can't get enough of that lady and her wonderful advice. And self-care is so needed. Teacher, please, please take something you've heard today, put it into action, and take care of yourself. Download that free resource we were telling you about and find some self-care practices that fit your life and your personality. And those affirmation cards, put them on a ring and take them out all throughout the day just to remind yourself to think positively. We need to cut out all the negativity that we can. Let me take one last moment and tell you that this podcast may also be a form of your self-care. Having a positive voice in your head is always a great thing. I like to find my favorite podcast and listen to them while I'm walking to get some exercise and also to learn and be uplifted. So maybe I can be that for you. I hope so. I think I'll go grab my headphones right now and take me a nice walk and listen to my favorite podcast. But until we meet again, never forget, go make a difference, teacher friend. (laughs) 